ask all the time about professional sports and how they can get into it. It's a super, I mean, mathematically, it's a super niche area in our profession. Uh, the fun part is the people who typically work in physical therapy in high-level sports are uh, just very excited to talk about it and tell other people how they got into it or how they can get into it. They're they're among the most giving that I've I've come across, and we've got one of those today. Our guest uh, is a board-certified sports PT, an adjunct assistant professor, and a sports residency mentor, and she gets to stand on the sidelines during Pittsburgh Steeler games, which is a pretty cool place to work. But what you need to know is it's not the only place she works. Like, yeah, there's, you know, what, 16, 17? I can't remember how many regular season games there are. It keeps changing. Um, and she gets to do the thing that you see on TV, right? Like, be the PT on the sideline. Um, but there's a lot more to it. Of course, you knew that. But now we get to show you what the more to that actually is. Like, what's a day in the life like? Or what's a week in the life like? And who's she interacting with? And how is she interacting with them? So uh, Jess Gailey jumps on the show to talk Pittsburgh Steelers stuff and UPMC stuff, uh, as well as some residency things and how she got prepared and ready to be a, uh, a physical therapist in professional football. Want to say thanks to Physiotech for supporting the show. Without them, we wouldn't be able to, well, pay for the microphones and stuff like that. Here's a question Physiotech's asking. Would adding an additional 290 bucks per patient per quarter help your business? Of course it would. Remote therapeutic monitoring can do that. Find out how and get starting started with RTM. Go to physiotech.ca. That's physiotech.ca to find out more. And if you're a physical therapist, you're always touching an EMR. You can't get away from it. You might as well make the experience better. That's where our friends at MW Therapy come in. They deliver a modern all-in-one outpatient PT EMR with all the built-in patient portals, marketing automations, and billing features you want at a value you deserve. Find them online at mwtherapy.com where switching over your EMR is easy. And finally, as we'll get into in this episode, your license as a physical therapist can take you anywhere you want to go. And that's what Jackson Therapy Partners can do too. They provide awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going, literally and figuratively. So maybe try out travel physical therapy. See where you can go online at jacksontherapy.com. Get ready to tackle this next episode like an NFL linebacker. Our guest is fresh off the turf with the Pittsburgh Steelers. She's a board-certified sports PT, an adjunct assistant professor, and sports residency mentor. I said all that in one breath. Uh, she's made plays at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and their School of Health and Rehab Science. Trust me, you don't want to miss her insights in the world of professional sports PT. Oh, and, and between us, she's on a quest to visit all seven continents. I've got to ask some questions about that as well. Uh, buckle up. This is going to be a touchdown of an episode because Jess is here. Jess, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, Glad to be here. Uh, your first show in a few months. First show in a few months. I'm getting the rust off. This is my good, you know, I've done some warm up. I interviewed myself about 20 minutes ago in the mirror. It didn't go well with me. I'm not a very good guest. Uh, but we get things out of the way early. The hardest question is always first, what are we drinking today? Um, I need a second kick of uh, caffeine, so chai tea latte. Chai tea latte, perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm going very healthy, Mick Ultra. So it's beer, but it's mostly yeah. water, but it counts for pint glass. So cheers to you with your chai tea latte. 
All right. Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. They give you the uh, clinical insight, the equipment you need to apply properly in clinical practice. Find them out uh, online at owensrecoveryscience.com. They even have their own podcast called, ironically, the Owens Recovery Science podcast. These guys understand how to name things. Um, do you know the guys from Owens Recovery Science? I feel like every time I talk to someone I, in sports. So I, I've had to take like a course like for a certification at the clinic for BFR through it. Um, yeah. We didn't do the Owens class itself, but um, like through UPMC, they've had like yeah. certification. So, yeah. and I, I'll talk about BFR a lot because obviously treating NFL players, that's a, a big tool we use because kind of hard to load some 315 pound guys. So <laughs> So that's just one of the billion things you probably are exposed to. And we go from zero to a hundred, um, no matter where you are in physical therapy, I think PT school, again, I like to reiterate on this show anyway, it makes you a really good beginner PT. It's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to PT school is supposed to do that. And then where you go from there is completely up to you and how you get there. So I want to start with you, as we mentioned, I don't know if you counted the number of physical therapy uh, puns and references in there. The intro it was a lot. You're off the charts. I was yeah. off the charts. So if if you're not watching the live stream and you're just listening to the podcast, well-branded Jess there, you've got your Steelers sports medicine uh, uh, gear on. So let's start with a steel, uh, Steelers question. You had an opportunity to work with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Break down your day-to-day. -day. I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot, and yeah. I wanted you to do it um, on a decently-sized stage with this podcast. And like – like what are what are some of your day's activities? How does PT integrate into a pro a pro football team's regimen? Like, give me the tea. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so through my residency, I actually graduated in March, um, around March for my residency. So um, at UPMC, uh, it's an eighteen month sports residency. So the last year, uh, you're with the Steelers. So it's nice. Um, it was like February twenty twenty two to February twenty twenty three. So it was nice. I got a whole calendar year. So I started off season, right. preseason, and then had um, in season. So it's kind of nice to see what the training room looks like very different times of year. Because as you can imagine, like February, March versus September is very different depending sure. on um, the time of year. Um, but during the off season, a lot of it was really cool, just kind of behind the scenes. Um, even when I was um, there, I was really there in the mornings, and then I'd still go over to the clinic and treat. I'd call them uh, belovedly the commoners, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the common people. <laughs> um, but I'd treat um, like, like an outpatient clinic during the day, and then I'd be with the team in the morning. So a lot of the stuff in off-season was um, working with like some of the combine stuff. They do a lot of lot of work behind the scenes in um, the training room, just trying to like go through grading scales, things like that, doing a lot of research. Um, so just kind of like helping organize that. And then there's still a couple of players that are around that may just want some just kind of like maintenance work in the off season too, especially like some guys that have had previous surgeries. And then things really start ramping up in the spring. Um, so that's when I started spring into summer going every day there. Uh, so I'd be there in the mornings um, and then I'd help out with uh, rookie mini camps, OTAs in the springtime, they're getting really busy. And then really it picks up the biggest whenever you're at camp. So the Steelers are actually at a like a D3 school locally uh, for a training camp. So I was pulled from clinic and out there for a month. Uh, so we'd be covering the practices um, and then doing some like more shorter term rehabs. And then I'd say during the in season, um, it became, you know, back into the clinic in the afternoons. But then once we were getting some of our bigger long-term rehabs, I was more in charge of 
you know, longer term post-op. So my big ones were like two post-op knees, a post-op shoulder, a post-op ankle. So like some of those longer term cares going into the surgeries with them, seeing the surgeries all the way through, you know, getting them back to running everything else, using a lot of similar principles as far as rehab. And um, so that was a lot of my day-to-day during the season. And then on the weekends um, covering you know, on the sideline, all the home games. And then um, me and the two athletic training students split the away games. So I went to four away games. Too. Did you get to pick? We did. It was a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of uh, a hunger games. Well, yeah. away games. I, I wanted to go to the uh, Baltimore game, even though it was New Year's, because it's a good matchup. Yeah, we all go to the Browns because it's a short bus ride. And then um, I have an uncle in Atlanta. So I wanted to go to the Atlanta game. But yeah, we kind of just divvied it up. What's it like standing on the sidelines? I mean, I want you to give me like like paint the picture so I so everybody else can feel the tingles. Like when you're standing out there, like what's I mean, I've been to a game, but it's gotta be different standing on the sideline wearing that Steelers logo, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot of high, high energy, high intensity, obviously. Um during the games, a lot of it was just like if the players need anything, just like being being a pair of arms and legs, you know, get them ready before the game. Um you know, stretching, massage, whatever they need. And then just during, you know, if they need water, like running out during timeouts just to make sure there's no issues, hydration. And then, yeah, but the, the atmosphere is awesome, especially, you know, depending on the game, obviously right. too. But um, yeah, the atmosphere is awesome. You talked a little bit about an interaction with other people on the sports medicine team, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about like, you know, athletic trainers, PTs, the mm-hmm. other people on the staff. Like talk to me about who's who in the in the neighborhood and then how do you yeah. get to, to, to interact and, and kind of dovetail that athletic training yeah. environment? No, yeah, that was definitely something I, I thought would be a really good topic for us to talk about today, too, just because I know it's, you know, interesting seeing, like, what role the PT can play in the training room and, like, in the world of sports, uh, especially, like, as, you know, more people are getting SCSs. You know, some people like me, I'm not an athletic trainer by trade. Some people are both. So, um I'd say my role a lot was some of the longer term, like more complicated rehabs, Um, you know, the rehabs that are taking, you know, they're out for the season, they're on injury reserve, Um, you know, still able to communicate with like the surgeon, still able to go into the surgery, which was really cool. But, you know, I'd still still say I kept with a ton of the communication too with like the head athletic trainer. They really, you know, it really is their team. So a lot of them, they're really like the point person. Um, and then, you know, just helping out in the training room, you know, alongside the athletic trainers with any, everything else they need on like their day-to-day things. But I'd say my, my duties more so fell um, in the training room as far as that, of, like the longer term, more complex rehabs, and then helping out with some smaller, shorter term rehabs. Um, but it was kind of nice too, because, you know, obviously with like a, uh, an organization like the Steelers, they have like a whole strength uh, staff, sure. they have the coaching and it's it's pretty seamless to just walk down the hallway and be like, hey, I know you're, you're, I'm working on his lower body because he had, you know, leg surgery, but, you know, feel free, you know, do this upper body, like, and just, you know, getting them back to like, once they're really good rehab standpoint, you know, setting them off to strength and conditioning just to, you know, tie up the final pieces. Let's do two and two, um, standing on the sidelines, you know, you know, throwing up your terrible towel. That's got to feel great, but there's gotta be pros and cons, right? You've already, you sort of alluded to a couple, but I want to hear like two pros, Oh, you really did your Yinzer research. I'm <laughs> Listen, two pros, two cons, working with professional athletes, because a lot of student physical therapists or physical therapists earlier in their career are curious about it, and they don't have the experience that you've got. I want, yeah. I want you to share that insight, but give me pros and cons, because I'd, I'd rather people understand 
then assume, and then they get somewhere, they work somewhere for two, three, five years, they get there and they're like, I didn't, I didn't think about this. So give me, we'll start with cons and then we'll go to pros because we want to end on a good note. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I mean, I think, you know, challenges are, you know, a lot of them, they may not, the guys you work with, they may not be guaranteed a spot on the team. Uh, like, yeah. you know, there's like, there's undrafted players, you know, you might be working with someone, they, they may not necessarily stick around. So there could definitely be, you know, not, not as much of a guarantee, you know, for a lot of the players too, which that can create a stressful environment sure. for them too. Um also, you know, it's a very high demand goal that they're trying to get back to. It's not like a typical clinic where, you know, the ADLs are it. You're you're really, you know, pushing them to the next level, which is something like I love being in sports, but that's definitely something to consider. Um, it was a challenge too. I, I think it's a benefit too, but it's definitely a challenge because in PT school, you're used to seeing a patient maybe two to three times a week max right. versus these guys are seeing like five days a week. Right. And it was like, how do you program you know, 10 hours, 10 hours a week of stuff. Right. Like, and so that was definitely like a big learning experience for me of just having to realize like you have so much time with them, which is great, but it's also like, how do you, how do you not overload them? Like, how do you add in the recovery? So that was a big process of, of learning. And I think too, you know, I don't think it's any secret, but like the schedule, you know, especially if you're, you're covering games, you're covering walkthroughs, you know, practices, you know, during, during the season, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hectic schedule, but you know, it's worth. That it. was one of my one of my buddies uh, in mm -hmm. PT school. This guy Trevor was an athletic trainer before PT school, and I was like, man, and he was working with like the uh, the the Washington Commanders mm -hmm. and the Redskins while we were in PT school. I'm like, man, why don't you want to just go that route? He was, and one thing he was saying is like, man, it was great when I'm 25, but when I'm 35, do I want to do that schedule? So I wanted to add mm -hmm. something to that, and that's why he chose PT, which was something the minute he said it, I was like, oh yeah, but unless someone says it, you don't know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes All sense. All right, so that that sounds like, you know, it sounds like some cons in there, but it was really just like some difficulties or things you had to sort of – Yeah, I'd say, I'd say more challenges. Yeah, challenges. More challenges. All right, so you played that, that, a new graduate, yeah. You played that safe. That was smart. You dodged the con by making it a challenge. Now, how about some no. of the pros? I mean, some of them might be obvious, but some of them might not be obvious. Yeah, um, I mean, I think obviously high motivation. That's a huge one. Um I think really good body awareness. I doubt I taught very many new exercises, like really good sense of, you know, obviously body awareness, exercises, how to do them. Right. I'm sure nothing was like too new to right. them. So it's not like a lot of our patients who may have never really had to do some of the stuff we're showing them. Like it's very intuitive for them. But that's, um, but that's probably like a difficulty too, which is like these these guys are really in tune. You mentioned, hey, how do I program two times five days, 10 hours? You got to get creative because part of that is not only getting the right stuff out of them, but like making it fun, making it new, killing some of that boredom factor for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think another kind of challenge too, I didn't mention that goes along with that is a lot of them too, they've had healthcare providers they work with at home. Sure. Like they still have you know people that they stay in touch with, like their old trainers, their old PTs. So, you know, they'll go to them for advice if they know them for years. So I think sometimes blending the new stuff you're giving them with, you know, maybe some of the advice they're getting from, you know, healthcare providers from their past, right. and then just trying to find something that really blends both that you could both be agreeable with. Because are you in contact? I mean, Is there situations where it's like, hey, you contact someone's because now you're like crossing like team stuff to personal stuff. I know this came, this was big when it was like Tom Brady, right? It was like he had his own guy and it was like, the guys on the practice field and they were like, nope, he's your guy. Like, are you outside of your team? Are you, do you, do you 
communicate with other people within that player's solar system? Usually we try to keep it unless it's like, unless they got like a surgery somewhere else. Usually we try to keep it, yeah, in-house. But, you know, they come in with a lot of education, a lot of previous experience, especially if they've had previous injuries and ways of rehabbing injuries. But as we know, there's many, many ways to to do that. Um, I'd say another really good facilitator too is just, I mean, the the resources that they have. You know, that's not a typical clinic that has like the Alter G, the underground treadmill, like extensive training room. In addition to you know being able to walk down the hall, talk to the strength staff, you know, being able yeah. to have frequent visits with the team docs, you know, coming in at least a couple times a week. I like it. All right, so. Why sports residency? Or I should say, let's twist this. Because I think why sports residency is an obvious question because like Jess wanted to stand on the sideline and she wanted a terrible towel. That's why, right? But like why sports residency for you? Or let's make it more open-ended too. Let's follow that up with what are what are a few questions somebody should ask themselves before deciding on something as demanding and rigorous as a sports residency? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Um, and I think... For me, it was definitely thinking like, like you said, after PT school, you have a lot of really good tools to be an entry level PT. And I think that's one awesome thing about our profession is like tomorrow, if I wanted to go work in a hospital, I could go work in a hospital. Yeah. And I don't think too many other healthcare providers have that much kind of just depth and breadth that we do. Um, But I noticed, you know, after PT school, I was like, I think I could benefit a lot. I kind of worded it in my essay, my admittance essay is like learning about the bookends of uh, sports rehab. So that immediate on-field coverage, like what happens, you know, if someone goes down, like those first out couple hours, and then also the final phase, like the return to sport, like how do you get them back to performance, not just getting them back to playing, but getting them back to their full, full level performance. So I feel like that's something I didn't really have a lot of in PT school. And I really wanted to learn more about just so I could feel like I could treat athletes more effectively. Um, I also really kind of wanted to get into the academia aspect too, which a lot of the residencies, including mine, um, work with the PT school. So that's something I really enjoyed um, doing. And I think in general, just if you're someone that's really passionate about learning and if you're someone too, that's thinking about taking a board certification, it's a really good way to kind of get you on an accelerated track to do that. Yeah. What's a, um, what's a personality characteristic? Just one, there's gotta be a bunch, but what's one that you think a sports resident needs to have to succeed a personality characteristic come to mind? I'd say, um, I'd say definitely a good degree of like grit and determination of just like, you're gonna, you're, it's going to be a bit of a grind, sure. especially like in, in season. Um, but just kind of, you know, also just the positive attitude of like seeing what a good experience it is. And also just the fact that I feel like it's really hard unless you go through a residency to always get team exposures. Sure. You know, it's it's not always the easiest thing to just be like, hey, I'm going to show up and just get venue coverage, which is why I saw for the SCS that being, you know, a tough thing to do without a residency. Obviously, something super people do it, but um, I thought that'd be really challenging without it. Yeah. Uh, What's something that you didn't see coming working with a sports team? Is there anything that you just you you even going through the residency before your first real experience when you were neck deep? Is there anything you Mm -hmm. didn't see coming? You're like, oh, should have expected this. 
I think it's just like all the behind the scenes of it is like, you know, there's just so much that goes into the planning just and just of the amount of medical, you know, just coverage they get. You know, I did not expect that, you know, you'd be having access to the doctors multiple times a week, you know, if they get injured, MRI, even within the building, you know, x-rays, like, it's just, I, you don't really expect to have that much. And that's like, it's definitely a luxury that they have. And definitely, like I was talking about a facilitator, because being in a clinic, it could be weeks before someone gets an MRI, it could be, you could be waiting on results for a long time or waiting to hear back from a doctor versus that instant communication which is such an important important part especially for the demands that they're going to be put under a lot of applications very few spots as you said for residencies or for team positions what can someone say in their essay or do to put on that resume that will make them make them stand out just a little bit i think a lot of how i kind of approached it was just saying this is this is the areas that I feel like I don't know much about at all, which not being an athletic trainer, I had not spent a single hour in a training room before no. I was in residency, which I, I did have some high school coverage at the beginning of residency, which I was really happy to have so I could like actually see the flow of a training room because it's different than a clinic, you know, some similarities to a busy clinic, but still very different. Um, but I think just pointing out like, hey, these are the things that I want to get from a residency that I feel like I'm lacking and just being honest, like, I I feel like I have a lot to learn, but also this is what I have to offer. And I think also in the world of like sports, even doing things like, I know like clinicals, you can't always have control over them, but you know, if you can try to get any kind of strong orthopedic sports clinics, yeah, nudge, nudge your DCEs (laughs) or, um, you know, or even if you can't, you know, seeing messaging local athletic trainers being like, can I spend an afternoon with you? or taking exams like the CSCS. That's something I did during residency, but something I felt was beneficial just for programming sure. too, that I I took that exam before I got too much into the weeds with like the Steelers and stuff. I hate and love cliches. I love them because everybody recognizes them, right? So there's a cliche where it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I think that one's wrong because just because someone knows you doesn't mean that it's going to go your way. So what I like to expand upon that is it's not, it's not just – what you know, it's who you know. It's 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 really what you what they know about you. What what yeah. they're actually going to say to you or about you when you're not around. PT is a small world. Oh, he yeah. at a at a professional athletic level is even smaller, smaller, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone were to you know if you were to get down to a jump ball, um, and someone were to say, "Hey, on this resume, did you do you know anybody?" and they were to ask, like, so how you act at a high school level, right? Just getting some hours in that matters because that person might know, you know, it might be two degrees of separation from their person. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. especially the world of PT. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I like, I've reached out to someone in Florida because I had a question about something and wanted to check out a facility. And it was just like, oh, this previous resident of mine has gotten in touch with you before. And immediately that connection was just, I, I think we like truly could be, separated by one to two degrees. It's a small little from almost anyone in our profession. Yeah. Which you definitely notice when you're at conferences like CSM and other places like that. I think the number was three hundred thousand like I think it's three hundred thousand or under three hundred thousand PTs in the US, which sounds like a huge, huge number, but when you realize like how many people you know professionally and personally, the the mm-hmm. distance between you and someone you want to meet is is typically I mean the mm-hmm. distance is small. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always funny. The DCE at uh, Northwestern, where I went to PT school, was always like, you could always point out, like, if you're at CSM for a conference, you're like, you could always point out, like, who on public transit's a PT, because they just have, like, a look. <laughs> you just get a vibe. Yeah. What's uh, What are some common questions that you feel a lot from PT students? Because being where you are now, you said you like the educational aspect. What are some of the ones that just get repeated so much? We might as well share the insight. Yeah, yeah. I think from students and also students and people who are planning on applying to residency, a lot of them, you know, ask about the time management. A lot of them ask too, which is completely understandable sure. about with residency, tuition, um, tuition for residency and pay, because that's obviously a big factor that you need to think about if you decide to do a residency. And then I think a lot of people just kind of want knowledge of like, hey, what can I do to best prepare myself or make myself stand out is a big one, which is when I'll provide things like if you can even like get in with a training room, take a CSCS, just show that you're doing a little bit of extra initiative beyond just whatever you do in PT school. Because obviously PT school is a grind, but anything else that you could do that adds that little bit of extra. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, this is applicable advice anywhere, right? I mean, I've, t I've talked about this before on the show, which is you give me someone who's really, really skilled, maybe has like the credentials, but if you can kind of sense that they're not, they don't really care. I've, I've said before, like, you know, you kind of can't, you can't really teach, give a shit. You know, I don't curse, I don't yeah, curse that yeah, much, that much yeah. on my show, but like, you really can't teach that. And when you can, yeah, see, you've been away for three months, when you, yeah, I know, when you can see it from a mile away, um, mm -hmm. uh, it stands out because some people, you know, just think I just do what I do in the classroom, and I have a, P, a degree in physical therapy, and that puts me head and shoulders. And I'm like, mm -hmm. look behind you. There's a long list of people who have that same degree, and that are, I think, we're graduating like ten thousand PTs a year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've got to, you've got to do some different stuff. Yeah. And I think it's always good too, when people ask, like, tell me about your day-to-day -day life. Like, what did you do there? So people, like you said, they know like what to expect sure. and they know just like what the actual work is that you're going to do. And, you know, that's usually when I'll talk about like, here are some similarities to treating like your common athlete that you'd see in a clinic versus here are some differences. So, but all in all, I'd say there's quite a lot of similarities with treating them you know there's a higher level goal there's a higher demand but at the end of the day the anatomy is the same um and you know you could use use similar resources as other athletes like i use bfr a lot when i was in the training room and then just kind of like maximizing everything else they had there from who you interacted with uh, you know uh, i don't have any data to back this up but i know it's been talked about when i was in pt school is that it was a pretty male dominated area 10 to 15 years ago are we seeing a continued shift and is it, is it real? You know, is it, is it really shifting that way? Are we seeing more females in professional sports in the PT world? I think it's kind of hard to tell because I, I only have the experience with the Steelers, but at least, um, at least from my end, I, I definitely think there was more variety than what you might've expected 10, 20 years ago. Mm. Like I worked alongside at least three female athletic trainers, um, whether that be a seasonal, part-time, full-time. Um, so there definitely is more of that, I believe, than there there was in the past. And it was nice to to have that mix too. Yeah, you don't want to see it all one way. And what I, what I really didn't want to see was when it became an issue and then it was corrected, you know, we've got some females on our website. And then a couple of years later, you look back and the ratios have shifted back away from, from females and professionals. Yeah, but I mean, like I've I've had three or four guests in the last couple of months, um, 
that were females in professional sports. I don't know. I, the way I look at it is if we don't have people like yourself talking about it, so people who aspire and say, I see someone like me, they don't even think to apply. Yeah, no. And yeah, and absolutely people should be encouraged to. And it, it has even just looking at the residency, um, the residency I'm in, there's there's two positions. There's like a college um, high school track and then the pro track. And as far as the position I was in with the pro track, it was it, just in the last several years, uh, female, male, myself, male, that, that following will be female. So it's not kind of been alternating. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see it hasn't just been all one or the other. Which is, which is, you know, that, that shouldn't be a factor with, with the application, just experience. What's the future look like for you? Where do you want to be? So I'm, um, right now we're, <laughs> we're in our busy season with fall sports sure. at the clinic. So I'm doing a lot. Um, a big reason I wanted to do a, a sports residency too, is because I have a lot of interest in concussion. I was uh, an intern in the department, the research department, actually at UPMC as an undergrad. And then now I'm actually helping out with them quite a bit with like exit testing, things like that. So, and I myself am a mentor in the residency that I just graduated from and helping out a lot of pit. I'm hoping in the next, you know, couple years, I want to try to get my foot back in with, you know, more higher level athletes, professional sports. Um, I'm hoping to go, we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping to go out to um, the U.S. Olympic Training Center in February. Yeah. They have a conference out there. So I'm hoping to to see what opportunities might come up with them because that's definitely been a long time goal of mine. I don't know how official this was. I saw some posts in the last couple of days that flag football is going to be an official sport in the summer. Oh, I'm very excited about that. Well, what, what was the recent one? Um, they just added what break dancing? Break dancing. I thought roller hockey had a chance. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. Still, they could keep adding sports. Uh, they haven't gotten to one where I have a chance to make any of the teams. So I don't, I don't, it, for me, it's just, it's sort of, but Gronk, Gronk was very excited. He said, he, he said, he signed me up first. If flag football is the Olympics, I want to be on that squad. That's awesome. Hard to say no to a guy like that. Uh, Jess, are you ready to play three questions? Oh man. All right. You sound apprehensive. Let's do that again. Are you ready to play three questions? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right, three questions brought to you by ATI Physical Therapy. Just uh, question one, if you could pick one, which continent are you most excited to visit and why? Your goal is to visit all seven. You've been in North America, I guess. So, you, you know, you got six more. Yeah, yeah, you could safely say that so one. So which one um, haven't you checked off that you're excited about? I have not. I still need to go to Africa and Antarctica. So which one? Which yeah. one's going to be most exciting? I, I think I think Africa is more feasible. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I'd say number one on my bucket list right now is Cape Town. And then where'd that come from? Where'd hey, I'm going to visit all seven. I I think it's just like a way. I I started noticing like I'd been to Asia. I studied abroad in Australia, and then I just have loved travel. Um, and I think eventually I was like, well, we just I, we're not going to hit every continent. I mean, every country. So let's go for continent. That's easy. Play it easy. I like that. All right. Uh, you're drinking a chai tea latte now, but you're on a kombucha kick these days. What's your go-to kombucha <laughs> flavor? I can't get over the texture, but what flavor should I try if I wanted to get in? I don't know what you're drinking then. It's, it's almost just the consistency of like a beer, I really? feel okay. like. It just reminds me like a sour, but a big one right now is berry lemon. Berry lemon. All right. And let's play a quick game. If you could swap roles with any professional athlete for a day, who's it going to be and why? 
any like any any athlete any sport doesn't matter where you're going Well, I'm five eleven. I don't know if I should say like Simone Biles to, <laughs> to to see what it's like from the shorter end. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm registered to do a half Ironman in June, so I don't I don't know any famous half Ironman. I know there's a woman that just kicked ass on a full Ironman recently in one Kona, so probably yeah. probably her. I, I I've done one of those. I like triathlon because it allows me to be mediocre at three things in one day, and I call that efficient mediocrity. <laughs> got to be smart with your time, right? All right, that's three questions brought to you by our friends at ATI, one of the leaders in clinical research within the physical therapy profession with more than 900 of their clinics placing in the 100th percentile or percentile in CMS's merit-based incentive program for the second consecutive year. Hit atipt.com if you want to join their team. That is atipt.com. Just the last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Shot brought to you by our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. If you're thinking, thinking about taking that OCS exam and you want a study guide, like maybe a roadmap, uh, you can check out their current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. Currently in their fifth edition, they update that all the time. You can get that as well as some other great orthopedic resources from the Academy of Orthopedic PT at orthopt.org. All right, Jess, your parting shot, your chance for a mic drop moment or a soapbox statement, whatever you want to leave with the audience, the floor is yours for your parting shot. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, doing a residency is an awesome thing, if that's something that you'd be considering doing. Um, the world of PT, the, you know, we have so much depth and breadth just by our training, but it's definitely a commitment to continue lifelong learning. So any way that you can do that, whether that's in the training room, outside of the training room, just continue to grow your toolbox. Well said. All right, uh, Jess, keep doing that great work. And thanks for sharing some insight from the sideline uh, all the way to, well, your finish line at the uh, the Ironman when you're going to do that. Thank you. All right. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. 
The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com. 